today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. What you didn't realize was is that God knew what you couldn't know unless you had gone through what you went through. And when you come out on the other side of it, you're going, Wow! God, I made it! I told you you would. Yeah, but wow! And then here's what happens. If I can make it through that, there's nothing I can't make it through. That's the point. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Timothy. Trials are painful and annoying and utterly necessary. Nobody likes to go through them and usually want to forget them when they're over. Pastor J.D.'s teaching today is about the Apostle Paul and his apprentice, Timothy. You'll hear about the difficulties both of them faced and how God was getting them through the hard times. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Understand that God will never allow the enemy to do anything to us unless he first allows it and approves it. Some of you are kind of, uh, that, that kind of messed you up. Let me follow up on that. God will never allow the enemy to do it unless ultimately in the end it's for your good and his glory. Ask Job about that. You can ask Peter about it. Not just them, many others as well. But I think about Job. In the end, he did not curse God, but understand that Satan had to get permission before he could even touch one hair on Job's head. I think God has given Satan too much permission on the hairs on my head. <laughs> Just anyway, enough of my, my problems. But James chapter 1 We'll need to spend a little bit of time on this as well. I know this is probably going to come out wrong, but for a pastor to say something like, I hate this verse. A pastor should never say it, but I, well, I shouldn't say it like, I hate what this verse means and says. That's pretty much it. But James says, consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. <laughs> really? Consider, no, this is, this is a poor translation of the original. So you go to the original, thinking what it's supposed to say is, consider it pure hell, my brothers and sisters. <laughs> right? Whenever you face... Many... No, consider it pure joy. Listen, if we're honest with ourselves, how many of us actually are overjoyed (laughs) when we face trials? Well, listen, God will never say anything unless he also packages it with the ability to do it. I mean, he can't. It's just not, it's inconsistent with who he is. 
So, and all scripture is God breathed, given for our instruction, reproof, rebuke. We, we hate that part. But how is it possible to consider it pure joy when you're facing this intense fiery trial? How is that even possible? The answer is in verse 3. It's because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then he says this in verse 4, and the key word is let. The implication being that we fight it, we don't let it. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So here's the thing. God desires to do something in your life, through your life, with your life, but He can't yet. He first has to prepare you for that which He is preparing for you, so that you can handle it. So, here comes the trial. Because God needs to mature you. God needs to grow you. God needs to produce perseverance in you. God needs to test you and prove you, and sometimes He does it for you. And by that I mean you're in the midst of a trial and you're thinking, this is it, you know, thanks for the memories, it's all over now. But what you didn't realize was, is that God knew what you couldn't know unless you had gone through what you went through. And when you come out on the other side of it, you're going, wow, God, I made it. I told you you would. Yeah, but wow. And then here's what happens. If I can make it through that, there's nothing I can't make it through. That's the point. I hope this isn't uncomfortable for you, but I'm just going to be very personal with you and by way of a testimony share this with you. When our daughter Noelle died, I have to say it was the most painful experience of my entire life. And I honestly, as God knows my heart, thought that (laughs) there's no way, there's no way we're going to make it through this. What I couldn't know was that God was actually preparing me for something that was just too high for my understanding, because His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. God has something planned. You know what He had planned? This. This church. So here's what happens. I'm sitting there with my dying daughter. I got my Bible in one hand and my baby in the other. She was very tiny because of trisomy 18. My wife and I slept in shifts because she required round-the-clock care. So during my shift, which was the night till 4 a.m. shift, she would get up at 4, I would go to bed. Or no, I think it was the other way around. Anyway, it's all a blur now. But she required round-the-clock care. I just remember those 
nights when I was just crying out to God. And I mean, just thinking, Lord, we just planted the church. I had a business. I was working seven days a week, and that was my tent-making ministry, and that's how we paid the bills. And then I'm starting this church, and why, Lord? Oh, you'll see. And he gave me Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14, and I have hung on to those verses for dear life for the rest of my life. David writes, I would have lost heart, but I remain confident and convinced in this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he talks to himself. That's, that's good, by the way. Uh, self-talk and talking to self, like in Psalm 42 and 43, which many believe are actually one song, where David, David is talking to him, giving himself a good talking to. You know, sometimes we have to give ourselves a good talking to. Sit down, boy. We need to talk. Oh, my soul, why be in such despair? For you will again have reason to praise the Lord. Sometimes you need to talk to yourself and remind yourself and tell yourself that. So he gave me Psalm 27, 13, and 14, and here was the word, wait. Wait on the Lord. You'll see. You know how we say, just wait, you'll see. That's what Psalm 27, 13, and 14 are. Just wait, you'll see. Again, I don't want to wait. I want to see now. (laughs) because we say seeing is believing, but the problem is it's the other way around. Believing is seeing. Just wait, you'll see. Oh, Lord, I don't know. How are we going to, and the medical bills were coming in? How are we, there's no way. Well, there's a way. Way, no way, way, way. Just wait, you'll see. When we first came here, I was counseled, very good counsel, by the way, that you had better make sure that you're called to start a church in Hawaii. And here's why. Many guys from the mainland are like, yeah, here am I, Lord, send me. (laughs) I mean, somebody has to go to Hawaii, the burden of the Lord. But the Hawaii that people vacation in, or used to anyway, is not the Hawaii that a pastor will minister in. Very difficult, very expensive, extremely expensive, very difficult. So much so that many pastors who come, they don't make it. A couple of years, they toss in the towel and they leave. And when they do leave, they leave a bad taste in people's mouth. And so when you come here to start the church here, people are going to be watching you. Are you going to be just like everybody else from the mainland? You come here, you start the work, go, whoa, this was not what I thought. And then you leave. Or are you going to keep your hands to the plow? We had just started the church. Church was probably 40, 50 people. Half of them were my wife's family. (laughs) 
I remember in that SDA church that we rented for 12 years, the wooden pews, and it was so empty that whenever I would speak, it echoed. It was kind of like, hey, let's pray, 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 because it just, <laughs> there was nobody there. And it was when Noel died that the people who were there watched. What's he going to do? Is he going to leave? Is he going to toss in the towel? <laughs> it's kind of like, you're not going to get rid of me that easily. <laughs> Kept my hands to the plow. And you know what God did? When the people saw, hey, this guy's not going anywhere. He's committed. He's called. They committed. And it was, I can... Again, as the Lord knows my heart, I can trace the growth God adds to the church. That's not anything to do with me. I just am faithful, keep my hands to the plow. God began to add to the church and grow the church from that point on. During that time, of course, we had prayed for a daughter because we have two boys. And when you have two boys, you don't want any more boys. You want a daughter. <laughs> so we have prayed, Lord. And so when we knew we were going to have a daughter, we were like, wow, praise the Lord. And then the Lord took her home. And I would be dishonest with you if I said to you that that didn't just shake me to the core. Forty-five days after Noel went to be with Jesus, my wife comes to me and she says, Honey, I want to have another daughter. And I laughed. Being the great man of faith that I am, I'm like, Yeah, come on, honey. See, for us, it took us ten years to have children. We were what the medical community called unexplained infertility. You know what unexplained infertility means? It's unexplained. <laughs> we can't explain it. You're just infertile. So have a nice afternoon. We tried everything. We tried in vitro. We tried, we even tried to adopt. And actually we're ready to adopt this baby girl. And we were there for the birth. My wife was inside. We even named her the birth mother, 15-year-old birth mother, open adoption. We were all ready to go. After she was born, the birth mother bonded and asked if she could take her baby home just for a couple of weeks before she placed the baby with us for adoption. And we knew, <laughs> okay, Lord, and we released her from the adoption, and she kept that baby. That was on June 1st, 1997. I remember it as if it were yesterday, because I went to the Lord on that day, and I cried out to the Lord, and the Lord gave me a word. It wasn't audible. It didn't need to be. But here was the word. Just like with Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to give you a son one year from today. Ten years. Our firstborn son was born exactly one year to the day on June 2nd, 1998. 
Now, when I got that word, the Lord said, I want you to go and tell your wife that I'm going to give you a son one year from today. And like Sarah, she's going to laugh at you. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Just <laughs> stay with me. So I, I, I did it. I went and I said, honey, God spoke to me. We're going to have a son one year from today. And she laughed just like Sarah did, you know, like, it's okay, honey, you know, like, I've lost it. <laughs> well, that, that could be the case, but we're going to get through this. No, honey, we're going to have a son one year from today, and we did. But we just couldn't have children. We had the pregnancies. We lost children in the pregnancies, one in the second trimester by way of a miscarriage. One was a, a ectopic, almost killed my wife. I'll never forget that night. So, our first son was born, and the ectopic came, and then we lost one of the fallopian tubes. I learned more about the female anatomy. I don't mean to get so detailed, but no man should have to know about the... Anyway, so we lost one of the tubes. <laughs> I know, that was, was that too much? I'm sorry. So, we only ovulated from the one side that we didn't have the tube on. So, our second born son is more, almost more of a miracle because we ovulated weak, like me, you know, like I, <laughs> bear with me, I, pray for me actually. But the, the ovulation took place on the opposite side and through the other good tube, and that's my second born son, Levi. So then when we had Noel, as you might imagine, we were just, I mean, ecstatic that we were going to have a, a girl. So May 4th, 2006, she died in our arms at Kapiolani Hospital. And it's, you can't really put to words the pain it's just so deep. You just can't, you can't put it to words. But it was in that that my wife said, I want to have another daughter. And then it was my turn to be like Sarah and laugh at her. She said, no, I want to have another daughter. Not to replace Noel, but to heal our broken hearts over Noel. And as only God can, we conceived the first time. Miracle. And now, with trisomy 18, and I want to get into all the medical reasons for this, your odds of a, another trisomy, which means a third copy of the 18 chromosome, trisomy, uh, your odds don't go down. In fact, if anything, they're increased. So we were automatically a high-risk pregnancy, and not to mention our age at the time, which I'm not going to tell you how, how old we were. But. <laughs> So we had to go in for an ultrasound on a regular basis. And I'll never forget that one day when my wife and I prayed and we said, okay, Lord, when we go in for, because this is a, what they, uh, the 4D, you know, is it, yeah, 4D, where you, I mean, oh, the technology, unbelievable. I mean, you can see everything. You can see more than you want to see. <laughs> So we go in and we prayed and said, okay, Lord, we, al we already knew it was a girl. Because they always ask, do you want to know what the gender is? Yeah, that's fine, you can tell us, but I already know it's a girl. So, but what we wanted to see was, 
her hands because with trisomy, they, they can never open their hands. Their hands are clenched. And we want to see her feet because with trisomy 18, the feet are uh, what they call a, a rocker bottom. You know, uh, they're like, they're, everything's deformed, right? So we just want to see her hands open and her feet. So they do the ultrasound, and our daughter, uh, <laughs> she waved at us. <laughs> I couldn't know at the time, oh my goodness, I got everything I prayed for because it was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. I'll, I'll see you soon. <laughs> Well, she's 13 years old today. Many of you know her. One of the things that I prayed was that she would be healthy, of course, and beautiful and smart. Unbeknownst to me, my wife was praying, as only the wife can, not only that she would be healthy, beautiful, and smart, but that she would have the voice of an angel to sing. Oh, my goodness. As they say, the rest is history. I share that to say this. Yes, what you're going through may just seem unbearable. The pain, unspeakable. The difficulty. You just don't see how God... Like, like this is the one case where Romans 8.28 doesn't apply that God works all things together for the good to them that love Him and are called according to His purpose. <laughs> this one, that this, this doesn't apply. To, this, is, this one, no, God's not. There's no way that I can see how God can bring good out of this. Oh, just wait. You'll see. I promise you on the authority of God's Word, because of what He's done, and because of who He is. I'll close the same way I began. It doesn't matter. I care. I love you. (laughs) I care what you're going through, but it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter how bad it is. God is good. And it cannot change how good God is. You just wait, you'll see. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged in your faith as we learn from the book of 2 Timothy together. One of the greatest lessons from this book is that it doesn't matter how young or old you are, If God calls you to something, answer His calling. He's faithful to use you and your giftings to further the kingdom in powerful ways. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. As always, we encourage you to keep studying the Bible on your own. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in this series, you'll be able to find them at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Maybe as you've been listening today, you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You may already read the Bible, you may even attend church, but have you surrendered your life to Christ? If not, today's the day to make that change. 
If you're not sure where to start, please visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com right now and find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is important. We also encourage you to be a part of a church. If you're ever in the Kaneohe area, we would love to have you join our church family. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true.